Well, I've got some bad news for you if you gave up on the Charlotte Hornets after that embarrassing loss to the Orlando Magic. It was all a trick. They got a big dub against the Dubs in overtime. I'm going to be talking about that, plus a preview of tonight's game against the Sacramento Kings. It's Locked On Hornets. Let's get it. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. This is the Locked On Hornets podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Go check out Locked On Panthers. Go check out Locked On Tar Heels. Basketball is getting started. Uh, check out uh, Locked On Hurricanes for your Carolina Hurricanes news. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. We are free. We are daily wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube. Uh, Halloween edition. I am costumed up. Uh, I just felt like it was an appropriate day to finally pull the B costume back out. I've got the big dub hat on uh, to complete the costume. The big dub hat was not a guarantee, by the way. Not something that I would have just thrown on on Halloween. The big dub hat only goes on when they get a big dub, and they got one against the Golden State Warriors in overtime. Huge game. Shut down Steph Curry. Played defense. Had enough offense. It was the Saturday night fever game because there were Jays all over the place. PJ, DSJ, Jalen, my live reaction podcast is up on the feed right now. You should go check that out. We're going to talk about five things I learned from this weekend of Hornets basketball, including that Orlando game. We have to talk about it because there were some important developments in that game. But first, I want to tell you who I am. I'm Doug Branson. You can catch more of my work on everyhornetsboxscore.com. This is a solo show low. I'm typically joined by my co-host, my daily co-host, Walker Mail from WFNZ. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Walker Mail. Uh, just follow my YouTube channel right now, Every Hornets Box Score. Uh, that would help me out a ton. So we're going to talk about five things I learned. I also want to discuss these options that were picked up by the Charlotte Hornets. Lamelo Ball included in that. What I what I take from some of these options being picked up. Not a huge surprise, but it gives us a chance to kind of check in on some of the players that the Hornets picked up. And then finally, we'll we'll preview tonight's game against Sacramento. As I said in the cold open, I think it's an important game. The Sacramento Kings right now one and four, uh, but the Magic were zero and five. And that was a pretty important loss. So this uh, will be an important game tonight. I want to talk about some uh, intel that I got from Locked on Kings. But first, what I learned from the weekend, and I think I have to start with the head coach, Steve Clifford, because I think he has fundamentally changed this team, especially on the defensive end. And while I'm not like totally shocked by that, because I, I am familiar with Steve Clifford from his first run in Charlotte, I saw how he transformed a team that wasn't necessarily built uh, to be a, a defensive team and wasn't necessarily built to rebound all that well. You have to remember, like he had Al Jefferson down low for a, a, a great offensive player, but not necessarily the best defender and certainly uh, not someone that could be uh, counted on for just like dominating the boards. Turn that team into one of the best defensive teams in the league, top 10 defense uh, that playoff season, and consistently one of the best rebounding teams in the league. But he has fundamentally changed this particular team, and I, I am surprised by how quickly it's happened in this season, how quickly everyone's bought in. I think a lot of that has to do with a point I'll make in just a moment, another thing that I learned, but I want to give you some stats first. Opponent three-point percentage right now, 28.2%. That's first in the association. Last season, they were 23rd. How about opponents three-point made per game? These stats, by the way, coming via at Hornets PR. Uh, 9.5 per game. That's second in the league. 
They were 29th in the league in that statistic last season. Just a ginormous jump for the Charlotte Hornets. And then fast break points allowed per game, 8.5. We know that that getting back is a huge tenet in uh, the the philosophy of Steve Clifford. Right now they're second in the league, um, and and I guarantee you they weren't second in the league last season because that is that was a team that was not dedicated to getting back. And in fact. You know, defensively, you look at the two things. Yes, three-point shots were a problem, but really it was just the amount of easy points they were giving up because they were so focused on the firepower offensively, they weren't really necessarily dedicated to getting back. And for whatever reason, Borrego could not inspire that within this team. And Clifford so far, whether it was just the change in coach or the particular coach, and I, I think it was the particular coach because you keep hearing these players keep they keep coming out and saying, look, Steve Clifford is clear in the demands and he holds us accountable. I mean, they are they don't have to say these players don't have to say these things that we've been hearing from the organization and from Clifford. Like Clifford has said, I, you know, I want more accountability and I want to be clear. Like, but they are saying the same things. They don't have to do that. You can look all around the league for examples of players that don't parrot what the organization is saying. And I'm not saying that's what the players are doing. I'm saying that's legitimately, it's just a sign that it's actually happening. All right. So that's number one. That's the first thing that I learned. Uh, the second thing is that size and physicality still bother this team, though. That's a similarity from last season. I think you saw that against Orlando. One of the big reasons why they lost that basketball game is because Orlando was out of point guards because of injury. They were missing a lot of players because of injury, a lot of big rotation pieces, and and they had to rely on Franz Wagner to run that offense, but really the big change happened in that they had to throw a bunch of uh, bigs out there uh, to compensate, and, and I thought it was a strategy that actually worked against the Charlotte Hornets, especially defensively. It like stopped all of the offensive action because so much of the action this season has not been you know, pass it around the perimeter, maybe get a paint touch, kick back out, and take a three-point shot. That was last season. This season, it's been more – the offense has been opened up. So there have been more opportunities in the mid-range. There have been more opportunities to drive the basketball. But it's all been focused on getting to the paint first. And what Orlando did was throw a bunch of redwood trees out there, and the Hornets could not really adjust. They could not respond. And and size and physicality, especially on the defensive end, still going to bother this team. It's why I think, you know, they another point, another thing that I learned, I'll just skip to it. They need their stars back. They need LaMelo back. They need Terry Rozier back. Both of those players have been out with ankle injuries for a significant portion or all of the portion of this regular season. Cody Martin also out. But LaMelo and Terry, I think particularly, could have manufactured some more. They just needed a little bit more offense early in that Orlando game. I think it would have changed the calculus on that entire game. But instead... Orlando breaks free and they never look back because Paolo Bancaro uh, was able to give them just enough offense because that's that was the trade-off with Orlando, right? They were throwing a lot of defense out there, not a ton of offense. Okay, uh, another thing that I want to that I learned from this season is that or from this weekend, DSJ. Nick Richards, Jalen McDaniels, their energy remind me of LaMelo Ball in that all-over-the-court energy. I'm going to give it to you 
every time I'm out on the floor and I'm going to give it to you all over the court. I'm going to steal. I'm going to block. I'm going to be involved in every play. And that reflects to me the new identity of this team. It's about confidence. It's about belief. It's constantly on the attack. And that's what we saw against Golden State in that overtime victory. It was the four, end of the fourth quarter in overtime. They were constantly on the, on the attack. They had Golden State on its heels. Even when Draymond was stealing the basketball a ton from P.J. Washington, P.J. Washington, they were still looking to get him on switches, get him opportunities, and he didn't lose confidence. He was constantly on the attack. I think that's the identity that this team has formed. And going back to the the, the fact that they need their starters back, I did pull up some uh, lineup data on the current starting lineup. And I think it's pretty revealing. So the current starting lineup right now, Dennis Smith, Gordon Hayward, Kelly Oubre, P.J. Washington, Mason Plumley, has played 142 possessions, vastly more than any other lineup that the Hornets have. And right now, in terms of point differential, they are last in the league. In terms of points per possession, 95.1, that is last in the league. I, I'm not talking about like top, bottom five, bottom 10, bottom 25. I'm talking last in the league in terms of lineups. Effective field goal percentage is the same way. So the starting lineup has some problems. Now, Golden State, they actually played better. The bench has been lifting the team for the most part through the, regu- the beginning of this regular season. The starters finally started to play better. But those are stark numbers. Numbers, and I think it represents why yeah, you need LaMelo back ASAP. You need Terry back ASAP because to sustain success because they've gotten good wins against, Orlando, against Atlanta and against Golden State. You have some great wins on your resume, but in terms of maintaining the success, that's where you need uh, those pieces that can steady the ship, that can, that can pull defenses completely by themselves. And I think Terry Rozier and especially LaMelo Ball represent that. Okay, we've got more coming up on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Want to talk about the options uh, that the Hornets picked up recently on LaMelo Ball, James Booknight, and Kai Jones. Plus, we've got a preview coming up of tonight's game against Sacramento. i got a few more things that I learned this weekend. I want to make sure to get to those as well. But first, I want to talk to you about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of this basketball season. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every single game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every single sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Uh, I don't know how to bet the Charlotte Hornets right now. You can give it a good shot. Uh, I was looking on Bet Online uh, against Atlanta and Golden State. They were double-digit dogs. They won those games. Uh, they were the favorite against uh, Orlando. They lost that game. So, uh, Vegas having a little bit of a difficulty getting a beat on the Charlotte Hornets right now, but it means there are opportunities. There are gaps to get in there and kind of figure some stuff out before Vegas does. So make sure you're checking out Bet Online. Head on to the head to the website today to use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, more on these options and things I learned from the weekend on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks so much for making Locked On Hornets your first listen today. Make your next listen Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard. 
and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Okay, uh, I want to dig into a little bit more on the, the the stars that we don't have right now. LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, and then Cody Martin is, is not necessarily a star on this team, but it is somebody that you you know, signed to a new contract. It's a little worrying. You know, he had the issue in preseason that kept him out most of preseason with his knee uh, that seemed to be, uh, at least their explanation was, that it was an issue ramping back up, you know, to game speed. And then this quad issue happens shortly after he checks in for the first game. Uh, that's con- a little bit concerning that it has lingered this long, uh, but but maybe they are just being a little bit more careful with it so that they don't have it reoccur multiple times through the season. And I wonder if that's what's happening with LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier as well. You know, these ankle injuries are weird. Um, Steph Curry, the player that they just, the DSJ just did a great job of absolutely shutting down in that game against Golden State. You know, Steph Curry dealt with ankle injuries early in his career, and I think part of it was you get the you get the bad ankle injury and then you try to come back too soon and the ankle is not straight you know the, the things around the ankle that keep the ankle from being injured aren't strong enough yet and the ankle keeps getting re-injured it becomes a nagging injury that completely derails your season and I'm sure they don't want that happening with LaMelo Ball this season because so much of this team's you know, playoff aspirations hang on getting LaMelo back and getting the right kind of LaMelo back, the kind of LaMelo that can push the pace, that can do some amazing things off the dribble, that can pull up and knock down shots. You know, that kind of LaMelo, you need that ankle in absolute tip-top shape. And and that's probably why it seems to be, this injury seems to be extending slightly beyond what, what one would expect a grade two ankle injury to, I think we're just beyond that kind of average Average return time for that kind of injury. And every injury is different and every player is different. So, you know, you have to take that into account as well. And then Terry Rozier, I think we've got some time left on him because he has an issue. He has an, uh, an injury history with ankle injuries, had one last season that kept him out for the beginning part of, of the regular season. So, you know, I think they're probably being careful. And I think honestly, you know, these performances against Atlanta, against Golden State, you're three and three right now. If you're 0 and 6, are we seeing the mellow ball maybe already? Are we seeing Terry Rozier already? If you start 0-5, you may be. Maybe they rush him back. So I think it's been a blessing that that Nick Richards, DSJ, all of these guys uh, stepping up in, in, in absence ha- can allow these players to heal. You know, as much as we want to see them, I think that's a good thing for the team long term. Final thing that I learned, uh, we saw the new court and the uniforms on television for the first time against Golden State. It's their statement edition uniforms. Uh, We reviewed those in a past episode. We saw some renderings of the court, but you never know what the court's going to look like until you see it on TV. Uniforms, too. I thought everything looked good. Uh, and, and I got some, you know, people that were in the arena that said it looked good. I think on television, the court needs, I don't know if they can tweak it. But I think they should tweak, especially the little cell pattern that they have in the lane. I don't know if you saw that on TV. I You could, really could only see it when they zoomed in on the lane. When they zoomed out, it was all purple to me. So the, the little inlay cell pattern is supposed to be like a lightish blue that sort of neon glows. But it didn't really show up on television. So I think they got to go back to the drawing board a little bit on that if they want that to stand out. Uh, but I think everything looked good. 
you know, again, it wasn't like, whoa, stunning, uh, amazing. I'm, you know, like I was with Men's City, you know, or some of the other uh, things that they've tried in the past. Um, but, you know, I, I learned that this team has a, a, a major, it, whatever happens on the, with the court and the uniforms, I don't really care as long as this team has a new identity. And they certainly have that because they won their first overtime game uh, in, in 11 tries. It was their 11th try at winning an overtime game. That uh, uh, I saw somebody on Twitter say that that was tied for the NBA record. I believe it. Uh, that 10 overtime game stretch went all the way back to February of 2021. Uh, they have not won overtime games. So a lot of things starting to change. Uh, you know, th- this is not a fully formed team, though. They are learning a lot. But how do things change when LaMelo gets back? You know, I think that's going to be a big deal. It might have to be a complete readjustment period. But you're, you're learning how to win these kind of games. I think that's an important development for this season. All right, let's talk about some of these options that they picked up. The Hornets picked up an, a player option or a team option on LaMelo Ball. They picked up the team option on James Booknight and uh, Kai Jones as well. And so LaMelo's option for this season represented $8.6 million. Uh, and then for Kai Jones, it was $2.9 million. James Booknight, $4.3 million. And so several more options to go for Booknight and Kai Jones. Uh, they'll be continuing to pick, maybe, you know, continuing to at least have the option to retain those players for several more years. For LaMelo, it, you, you've got one more season, 23-24, where you have the option, but then next season he becomes extension eligible. And so now we're really getting down to it, right? Can you give, you know, completely open up the books, give LaMelo the maximum amount? Most players don't turn that down because, it, again, it's your first opportunity as a player to max out your value. Uh, and and so will LaMelo uh, be convinced that at least it's worth spending several more years in Charlotte to find out if Charlotte can put together a team. Because I don't think they're going to do a ton of convincing that they're like championship level this season. They're, this is not a championship roster, even at full health. You know, you're maxing out, I think, at a sixth seed, maybe a fifth seed, if you just completely max out DSJ, Nick Richards for depth, and then have all your starters healthy through most of the season. You know, P.J. Washington has made huge improvements. Gordon Hayward has looked really, really good, uh, especially as just a, a getting started offensive player. They've been running a lot of sets for him to get him open in the mid range. Like if all that stays healthy and good, they're still not a. They're still not going to compete with you. Know, when you talk about th- this regular season, what we're watching right now is going to be nothing compared to what it is in playoff. Everything changes. You know, Mason Plumley, Hacka Plumley. You're seeing a Golden State team that did Hacka Plumley in the fourth quarter. That's. That's them having championship playoff experience going, hey, we can actually utilize this strategy to change the way the Hornets are playing. You know, that's that's the kind, that's just one little taste of what you're going to get in the playoffs when it all turns into a chess game. Everybody's playing checkers right now. And so far the Hornets are even, you know, even Steven at playing checkers three and three. But playoffs, everything fundamentally changes. So um, you know, can they convince uh, can they convince LaMelo this season? I don't think so. But they can at least 
you know, lay, start to lay the groundwork where extent where that extension makes more sense for Lamelo, and then you know, and then Lamelo can explore other options after that if he really feels like that's that's his motivation. But we don't know his motivations, and that's the tough part. You know, does he just really enjoy playing for this organization? Does he really feel that you know a strong belief? Does he want to play for one team? Some some players are motivated by playing for one team and and lifting a team. I think Giannis is an example of a player that like. Really really wanted to take one organization, a small organization, and bring them into prominence. Like, he really enjoyed that aspect. Not all players enjoy that. Some players do legitimately want to go to L.A. or New York or one of these big markets and become a big market star or revive a big market that maybe uh, has been floundering for a long time. We just don't know, and the organization is not going to know until they really seriously engage in those um, extension talks. But for now... The option is picked up. The more I think the more interesting thing for the present is the options that they picked up on the rookie deals, Kai Jones and James Booknight. Again, I don't think it's a surprise, although you you know, anytime a team picks up an option on a rookie uh, especially a first-round draft pick, you have to celebrate that to, to a certain extent because it means that it hasn't been a complete disaster. And I think that this has certainly not been a complete disaster, but it's been an incomplete grade for James Booknight and Kai Jones because we didn't get to see a lot of them. And I, I think you know we've heard from we've heard from the general manager that you know uh, you know Mitch Kupchak has said well maybe we should have seen a little bit more from them last season, and we haven't seen much of Kai Jones who is stuck. Unfortunately, they want him to play the center position, but he's stuck behind Nick Richards who is vastly better right now, and Mason Plumley is a a veteran who I think just in terms of the skill set that the Hornets need to win basketball games is still vastly superior to Kai Jones. Kai Jones is still a work in progress. Um, do they view Kai Jones as the backup center option of the future that you paired next to Nick Richards as the sort of contrast, right? Can Kai Jones improve his shooting enough? We have seen him make a three this season in an NBA game. That's progress. He went 0 for 10 uh, in his first summer league game from three. Uh, So, you know, it's about... I think it is about that for Kai Jones. I think he has to develop that three-point shot. He has to provide a contrast to what Nick Richards gives you to make that case that maybe next season they invest in Nick Richards and Kai Jones at the center position and and, and really make the case that you don't have to go out onto the market and find um, something else. So uh, I think the team will be watching that in Greensboro. His development this season will be huge. And we've seen, you know, sometimes it happens in Greensboro. Sometimes it happens in the summer like Nick Richards, that all that not all of a sudden it's all of a sudden to us, right? Because we see, oh, preseason, wow, Nick Richards, um, he looks more confident. He knows what to do with the basketball. He's not turning it over. He's more physical. He's dominating. He's looking for contact. He's finishing through contact. All of that stuff was not evident to us uh, as as viewers, but it was probably evident to the people that were close to him, watching him, um, you know, develop those skills through the summer. So does that same thing happen with Kai Jones? For now, the Hornets are betting that it will. In terms of James Booknight, I think it's even more interesting on the pickup option because you do have this controversy around uh, the DUI arrest. We don't know how that's necessarily going to turn out, uh, and it will be months before the NBA even has an opportunity to take action on that. And when they do, the suspension won't be very long. Um, Really, I think it's going to be about what James Booknight does off of this. Uh, Does he... 
you know, does he stay out of trouble? Because, you know, I think we've seen past indications like a Ty Lawson where one incident begets another incident. Like they just keep happening. Um, will James Booknight commit himself um, to bettering himself on and more importantly off the court so that these kind of things uh, don't happen and the Hornets are rewarded for betting on him? Steve Clifford is rewarded for being high on him and picking up the option. Really interesting, but for James Booknight and Kai Jones, these are low, you know, options. Rookie options are low risk bets. Um, you know, they represent, uh, you know, what seven million dollars on their books, which once the TV money hits in the next couple of seasons, is going to feel like nothing. It's going to feel like a, a minimum type of deal. So uh, th they can do it. I think what's interesting too, you know, when you think about these options getting picked up and then like James Booknight and Kai Jones, the amount of playing time that they're getting, you know, for the first round picks that Mitch Kupchak has made, some of them are a bit victims of the success that the Hornets have had over the years in the second round. Like Nick Richards and uh, and and uh, Cody Martin and Jalen McDaniels, you know these players that the Hornets have bet on, you know that those are examples of second round picks uh, that have uh, overachieved, overperformed, and you want your franchise to do that. But what's interesting is if that happens once. It's like, oh, great. If it starts to happen two, three times, you know, there's only so many positions in the rotation. And you have to take into account players you trade for and, and players that just end up on your team through free agency. And all of a sudden, they're, you're out of rotation spots. So, you know, just something to keep an eye on. The second round success, uh, you know, influencing the first round success. Okay, uh, more to talk about on this episode. We've got to get to this preview. Important game against the Sacramento Kings tonight. Want to talk about that coming up on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks again for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. The Hornets take on the Sacramento Kings in Charlotte, their second straight road game after a three-game road trip. And I believe if I look at the schedule that um, this is the last home game before they head out on another two-game road trip. Yep, at Chicago and at Memphis, two very interesting games as well. But let's stick with this Sacramento game. Sacramento comes in at 1-4. and four. They've made some trades. They had a high draft pick. They got Keegan Murray, uh, but they made some trades with the Indiana Pacers. It's I think it's they want to be good. Uh, Sacramento has felt like they've wanted to be good. They've wanted to get out of the basement for a while. So far, it, it hasn't worked, at least in this uh, first portion of the regular season. They are 1-4. and four. But I got some intel from a guy, Matt George, of the Locked On Kings podcast. Here's what he says about the Sacramento Kings. De'Aaron Fox is off to an all-star start, despite the 1-4 and four record, is scoring the ball with ease, and more importantly, as engaged on the defensive end to a level we haven't seen. Kevin Herter is shooting lights out. That's one of their uh, acquisitions. Kevin Herter is shooting lights out from three-point range, and Keegan Murray is already one of the most efficient players on the Kings. Sacramento's starting lineup is really strong, but their bench and Mike Brown's rotation still are a major question mark. The Kings have really struggled to defend without fouling, and Miami nearly completed a comeback win by getting DeMontis Sabonis to foul out that last game. Sabonis played less than six minutes in the second half. 
So a lot of interesting stuff in there in that intel. If you've been watching the Charlotte Hornets, I'm sure some things were starting to spark in your mind. Uh, first of all, De'Aaron Fox, that matchup with Dennis Smith Jr., tough matchup for DSJ. Again, second straight tough matchup. He just got done guarding Seth Curry. Now you've got to go and guard and keep up with De'Aaron Fox in transition. You know, that's I think that's where De'Aaron Fox can even hurt you the most because he's one of the quickest players with the basketball in his hands. That's going to be a huge test for DSJ to stay focused, stay on De'Aaron Fox. But you 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 uh, heard from Matt George there, starting lineup for Sacramento has been really good. If you remember from the second uh, segment, the starting lineup for the Charlotte Hornets, I believe maybe the first segment, starting lineup has not been very good for the Charlotte Hornets. They were against Golden State. Can they repeat that success against Sacramento? There will be bench opportunities. The, the bench was scoring really well. Against Atlanta, they had 52. Against New York, they had 54. But since, again... Uh, against the New York Knicks, I'm sorry, they had 54. But against Orlando and against Golden State, the bench has taken a step back as the starters have started to play a little bit better. I think this is an opportunity where you can mix in some starters into the bench rotation, get some big points there, uh, and and take advantage of some of Sacramento's depth issues. So the Hornets will have an opportunity there. Uh, and they did get that win against Miami. But again, you heard there, Sabonis, some foul trouble issues. The Hornets have had success uh, because they're driving more. Uh, they're one of the top teams in driving to the lane this season. They've been able to draw some contact and get to the line, but more importantly, you know, get teams in the bonus and get players out. That was a big factor in that win against Golden State. Getting them in the bonus so early in that fourth quarter changed a little bit of the calculus. Now, of course, then they went to Hackle Plumley and then they had to go small, but you made Golden State think, and, and Steph Curry having five fouls, Draymond didn't play like he had five fouls, but eventually did foul out of the game. You know, those were major storylines. So I think that's some that's some stuff you can look at in this Sacramento game as well. As I said, uh, the Hornets love to drive. So do the Sacramento Kings. And De'Aaron Fox, a big part of that. Uh, both were top 10, both are top 10 in drives per game this season. But Sacramento has been a lot more effective once they get to the rim. Ugh. Kind of a familiar problem for the Charlotte Hornets. They can get to the rim with ease. But once they get there, it's been a struggle to knock down these bunnies. Sacramento has been 60% from the field on drives to the basket. The Hornets, 40%. And I wonder, like, how much of that was that Orlando game where they were just so dreadfully ineffective offensively. I think it's that's dragged down a lot of their offensive numbers and probably skewed some of these statistics. But the Hornets just generally, I think, have to focus on making sure that once they get these looks at the rim, they're either getting fouled or they're making the shot and not leaving those opportunities on the floor. Uh, Sacramento, they have offensive weapons. Uh, we mentioned Herter. We mentioned Murray. We mentioned Fox. They're third in effective field goal percentage, but 20th in offense. That's interesting, right? Your top three in effective field goal percentage, meaning your offense is doing the right things uh, in terms of shot selection probably, but something's wrong, and that something is turnovers. They turn the basketball over at a high rate. De'Aaron Fox one of the big, um, you know, one of the big uh, perpetrators of that, he is turning the basketball over at a huge rate. So that's an opportunity for the Hornets um, to make sure that they're turning this team over and getting out into transition. But Sacramento is really disciplined on the boards. They are third in opponent offensive rebounding uh, percentage. Hornets right now 11th 
in offensive rebounding percentage. They love to get on the boards. They love to uh, get those second chance points. Uh, Mason Plumlee has been a big part of that. Nick Richards has been an even bigger part of that. They've been doing this without one of their better rebounders from last season, LaMelo Ball. They've been crashing the offensive glass. Uh, Jalen McDaniels, too, has um, uh, done a really good job with that. So uh, there'll be a big test between Sacramento's ability to defensive rebound versus Charlotte's ability to offensive rebound. And some other fun storylines for this one that I think you can pay attention to if you want. I mean, to me, these are not going to be like huge storylines in the game, but could be interesting if you actually see them. Malik Monk plays for the Sacramento Kings uh, right now. And Malik Monk and Steve Clifford did not have a very great relationship when uh, Malik Monk was, when they were both in Charlotte. Um, you know, Borrego sort of when he came in, you know, one of the points that he made was like he was going to make the most out of Malik Monk and, it, and that didn't happen either. But it was clear that Malik Monk and Steve Clifford were not on the same page. I don't think that Steve Clifford wanted Malik Monk to be the pick. I think he wanted Donovan Mitchell to be the pick. And so it already got off to a rocky start. But then there was, you know, I think some commitment issues on the defensive end that probably, you know, you're seeing DSJ committed on the defensive end. He becomes the darling of Steve Clifford. Steve Clifford can't stop talking about this guy. Malik Monk was not committed on the defensive end. And, um, you know, that the, the results, uh, I think, speak for themselves. So that's an interesting, you know, we, we will we see the Malik Monk revenge game on Steve Clifford? I'll have to wait and see on that. But the other one is Davion Mitchell versus James Booknight. Davion Mitchell taking taking a few picks above James Booknight in that draft. We saw them go one-on-one versus each other in summer league, in the first summer league, not this past summer league where James Booknight was hurt. But in the first summer league, and Davion Mitchell absolutely shut down James Booknight. Davion Mitchell, uh, just a fiery defender, and uh, makes makes his living on defense and shut Book Knight down. So will we see a rematch? Can Book Knight get the best of Davion Mitchell? Book Knight has taken a little bit of a step back. Unfortunately, he was starting to get into a little bit of a rhythm. Had a good game against uh, Atlanta, but you know we've seen him in this Orlando game and this Golden State game take a little bit of a step back offensively. So um, hopefully he can get things back on track because that bench scoring I think is going to be a big number in this game against Sacramento. Okay. I've dumped it. That's all the intel I have. Uh, have a, a tremendous Halloween. Have a happy Halloween. Uh, tweet at Locked on Hornets if you dress up in something Hornetsy or fun. And uh, make sure you are following us on all of the channels, Every Hornets Box Score, Locked on Hornets, YouTube, uh, podcast app, all those good things to help to support this show and keep it going. Uh, I can't wait to have Walker back. we got a lot to talk about. I think these injuries are interesting, these ankle injuries. When are, when are they going to bring guys back? Right now the injury report still lists – uh, Terry Rozier and Cody Martin is doubtful. LaMelo is out uh, for this game against Sacramento. I expect Terry Rozier and Cody Martin to be upgraded to out. I mean, I think you have to expect that until we get something from the team that indicates that these players are somewhat closer uh, or maybe they get less listed as questionable instead of doubtful. But we've seen doubtful to out uh, plenty of times for Cody Martin and Terry Rozier, so we'll have to see if they wait maybe until this road trip to activate both of those players. Uh, but until uh, we see you again tomorrow, uh, Walker will rejoin me for tomorrow's episode. And Nada, Nada the Scribe, Nada Edwards, is due to be on the podcast. I'm not going to make promises because we don't know for sure, but Nada did say uh, he did want to come on the podcast tomorrow, so we'll see uh, if we see Nada. All right, that's it. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's warm Charlotte. Have a fun Halloween. Eat lots of candy. See you tomorrow.